Hello, this is Digital Accessibility, the people behind the progress. I'm Joe Walensky, the creator and host of this series. And as an accessibility professional myself, I find it very interesting as to how others have found their way into this profession. So let's meet one of those people right now and hear about their journey. All right, well, here we go with another one of our interviews. And today I'm pleased to be visiting with Sam Ogami. Hello, Sam, how are you? Hello, doing good. It's nice to uh, have you uh, involved to talk about uh, your work in accessibility. Uh, I'm uh, at my uh, home office on Vashon Island, Washington, which is near Blink's headquarters in Seattle, Washington. Where are you talking to us from? So I, I'm also at my home office. I'm located in uh, Fremont, California, so in the Bay Area. All right. Well, great. Well, uh, welcome to uh, this activity. It's great to uh, hear about uh, what you're involved with. Um, and uh, I, I know I've benefited from uh, some of the uh, work that you've done in, sh in sharing knowledge, which we can talk about later. But uh, you know, probably the best place to start is for you to uh, talk about what you're doing right now. Okay, um, so I, I work for HP's Office of Aging and Accessibility. Um, I wear many hats in that role, as I think is uh, similar to lots of people in the accessibility industry. Um, primarily, I work with designers and developers and product managers to make sure our products are inclusive to people with disabilities. So, and and anything around getting that done, right? So, in yeah. in in it. Obviously, a really large organization. Um, kind of what's a, a day in the life or a, a week in the life for you in uh, managing the activity at HP? So, I think that it breaks down to, you know, it ebbs and flows with different areas, but there's definitely where I work with designers and developers, um, trying to make sure that our products, you know, getting to technical specifications, making sure we're doing user testing with people with disabilities. Um, seeing what the future products are going to be like, right, and giving and informing the important decision makers when they're like accessibility enhancements or possibly accessibility regressions, right, things that are less accessible so that they can make the right decisions. So I'd say that's a good part of my job. The other part is really keeping up as an expert because I think there's a lot of great work um, in accessibility. And part of that is learning from users learning from other experts in the field. So I will go and do research, look at different products. Um, when I go pick up my grocery, you know, go to Target or go to Costco or an electronics store, more so when it was COVID, look at what our competitors are doing around accessibility. Um, and then the other part is working to with my other industry partners. So through, I'm chair of the ITIC, um, accessibility group, so the Information Technology Industry Council um, Accessibility uh, Group. So seeing about laws, legislation, um, standards that are coming in and providing industry perspective to them. So I think those are the kind of three big areas. And uh, depending on the day, maybe I'll spend the majority doing one. Um, some days, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be doing all three till, you know, in the evening time. But it ebbs and flows in those ways. But you're obviously a really busy person. You have a lot going on. And I, I'd like to uh, dig into uh, 
those areas in a little bit more detail uh, as we uh, get further along in this uh, chat. But you know, one of the things I like to do is always uh, find out what uh, what path people took to where they are today. Uh, you know, how they became aware of accessibility and became. Uh, decided to make it part of their professional practice. Uh, so, I don't know, where does it start with you? You know, take me back a little bit, and what were some, what you know, was something that first uh, got you thinking about being involved in this area? Oh, sure. So, I, I think that for me, um, I um, all the way back to when I was getting my, you know, middle school, elementary, you know, education was I had a learning disability. And access to text was really difficult for me. Textbooks, reading, um, I did not read for leisure. <laughs> it was always a pain to do these things. So um, around high school, I was, um, I discovered this organization called Recording for the Blind Dyslexic. And they offer tons of audio cassettes. I think they're called Learning Now, I know. Um, but really my interest in just the revolutionary change, and this was very, old school kind of technology, but cassette tapes, right? So you could get textbooks on cassette tapes. Um, so I was very interested in that. And then through my uh, college work, you know, I was very interested in technology in just general, um, but I wanted to do technology to help others, right? So I think it first came out of something that from some of the frustrations experiences I personally had, um, and it's kind of evolved over my years to be something that I think is just a very rewarding career um, and also to broaden, you know, you can start with the, the personal perspective, um, but that's just kind of a spark to a fire. And then, you know, you look and you say, okay, other people are experiencing things, other things. How can I make sure that technology is helping people and not hindering them? So that's kind of where, where I started. It was definitely very much an interest in digital talking books. And they were doing this thing called Daisy. Uh, I met this incredible man, uh, George Kirscher who is just a, uh, a force in that whole field. Um, and they were moving from cassette tapes to CDs, real fancy, you know, like advanced technology. And it was just really interesting. So I, I studied computer science. Um, and then I went to go work for the community colleges, worked in higher ed for a while. Uh, and that was also very rewarding because that was uh, a lot of work with not just the people who kind of design curriculum and, and uh, trainings, but also working with students, right? So there was points in that where I got to work with students or provide assistive technology um, to students with disabilities. So I always thought that was just a lot of fun. And it's like something that I, was, I, I decided very quickly, like, I wanna do this, keep on, you know, keep on doing this type of work. So that's, that's, that's really what uh, did it for me. Well, well, it sounds like, uh, you know, first of all, you're fortunate to, uh, be at a time when that technology first started coming out and you have that available to you as a, as a learner, uh, you know, needing and benefiting from that. And, and, uh, uh, and then uh, working at, in the university level and supporting others is, is a path we've heard from a lot of others. Uh, so it sounds like uh, it's kind of the timing was right to be able to, uh, you know, move you naturally into this area. Absolutely. Yeah, it was it's it's, um, you know, I think that accessibility has a lot of rewarding aspects to it. So I, to be clear, there is there's frustrations in this field, but there's also just a lot of reward. And, you know, with a little bit of distance and experience, I think, you know, the the pluses definitely outweigh a lot of the frustrations and things um, that can happen in the field. 
and at the time when you were working at, at university, um, uh, were you in, uh, involved in uh, setting up technologies for students to work or you know what types of activities did that consist of? Yeah, so I, I think one of the things I was very proud of that I did, I worked for the California Community College System. And I think the other part of it is, is I, was, I was just working with incredible people, uh, had the um, opportunity to work with people who had a lot of experience already. Um, but it was helping to build better technology uh, services kind of system-wide. So there's 152 at the last time, it might be a little bit more than that, but there's a ton of community colleges throughout the state of California. Um, and it was building a, a kind of like centralized service to produce higher quality digital talking books for students or accessible uh, text for students with disabilities. So, I, I mean, it was just something of, I had a technical background, um, you know, and, to kind of apply that and have such scale just being straight out of college with undergraduate degree was just you know it's just a really great opportunity and um just learning from the people who had um just a lot of experience in the field uh you, you know kind of mentor me but also work with me you know i didn't have to go out so i, I think i was lucky in that way that you know I, I get to go in every day and work with um individuals who are just had a lot of experience and kind of could help guide me in my enthusiasm in certain ways. You mentioned uh, your technical background. I think you said it was computer science that that you studied. Um, were there any specific uh, parts of that background um, that helped you at that stage in your career? Or was it just mostly that you were comfortable with technology? I think it was just a basic understand, you know, more of a more than just like a user understanding about technology, having some field about understanding, you know, take the basics system classes like compilers and databases and op operating systems. So having that background, I don't think I was doing something directly, but having that background and understanding, I think gave me a little bit more perspective to putting technologies together and identifying kind of opportunities. Um, but again, I don't think that's a essential for everyone, right? I think the more important thing is to kind of have the right mindset and try to, you know, work problems to solve accessibility and, and not, you know, the perfect, right? Finding good solutions, looking at different opportunities, um, because just like any other job, you're going to be told no a lot, or you're going to run into a lot of roadblocks. So it's, it's uh, um, trying to find out how can we do this, right? How, how can I, how can, in, in my first job, it was how can I deliver um, these digital talking books, um, like large libraries and services who had whole staffs and things for colleges that maybe had one alternate media specialist or, you know, one or two people who were producing a lot. How can I engage them in their existing technology? So I think that that's, that's the more important thing is kind of being creative. Uh, um, I've seen people who come from different parts of the field, um, but it's, it's having that kind of mindset of how can I get what I want to do done? Um, and that's that's what it led to it well uh, so so there you are uh, uh doing the work with in this community college system what was the uh the next uh, area that you delved into sure um so i think one of the things right away is is working for an academic institution is is there's a and, and rightfully so a high value on credentials and educational experience and um I just had an undergraduate degree, so there, there is, there is limits to what I could do and 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 move forward in the organization. Um, and I also really was interested in 
figuring out more about how people learn and things. So I, I went back to graduate school for a while and, and got a degree um, in learning design technology, which was, and I focused, focused more on the learning and design part of it since I had the technology background. Um, but then I, um, I kind of moved out of uh, assistive technology at the time to um, doing technical training, right? Because I had that, I wanted to do more about how learning. Um, but it came very apparent to me very quickly within a few months of that job that I wanted to get back into assistive technology. And I think that that's also a good thing is, is to have, um, you know, to learn from the opportunities that you have and, and, and find out what you want to do and, and try to work how you can keep on doing that um, in your career. So worked for uh, Yahoo doing technical training for engineers. And then, as you know, I was really being called to accessibility. I was working with, uh, all my free time with the accessibility group at Yahoo. Cause that's, you know, I was like, I'm really, <laughs> I really want to get back into that. Um, and then I went to work for another large university system, uh, the California state university system. Um, and that was very different because it was a lot of administration. It was working on accessible procurement. And what I mean by that is, is helping procurement officers, you know, CIOs at universities decide how to pick the best the most accessible technology, right? So from things like mass spectrometers to conferencing systems to, you know, uh, something that would be used on, a, you know, individual desktop, making sure that we had practices in there. And this was new when, you know, Section 508 um, was out there. So it was a, adapting a federal kind of procurement law and, and process into a state university system. And, and that's an area that you continue to talk about today uh, with uh, your, uh, I, I know you have the webinars where you talk about uh, uh, organizations documenting their accessibility work so that others, so there's transparency in there their, for procurement and people to know, you know, what organizations have been doing for, with accessibility for their products. Right. I, I think that's very important, right, is to as much as possible is to be, I think accessibility, um, it's important to be open, right? It's like, how are people going to use the product? The accessibility, for the most part, in my perspective, is it's, it's not the secret sauce that makes your product, um, you know, it's not the very secret thing that you need to guard, you know, it's, it's the product, but it, it's, it's kind of like an additive. It's like the sprinkles. It's something... Um, that's essential, but isn't, isn't secret because, you know, um, even if you have great assistive technology, great features of your product, if you don't document how to use them or that they're available or how you determined that it was, that it provided great, better access, then no one finds out about it. Right. Um, or it's just the procurement person and then they're done and they're working on their next big purchase or something. And then the end user, the student, the person who's actually using the device, they also need to know, right? And, and that's really where the, the, I think the success is. Um, and sometimes it's very difficult to get from that convincing, uh, you know, in large purchases, the person who purchases the device all the way to the person who uses the device. And all those people are important to understand accessibility, um, but sometimes the person, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating to me when I hear like, I didn't know the machine could do that, or I didn't know that your you know, product could do X, Y, and Z. And that's, that's something that, you know, personally try to work on more. Um, and then how do we test that? How do we do those things? Um, I don't think that anyone can use those tests, the testing procedures and things, 
the real hard work, the real kind of value is actually doing the work to make it accessible. It's doing that user testing. Not that you need to do the user testing or that you need to measure for these values and do certain things. It's, did you do that? Did you change the product? Did you? So that's where the real work is. And so if I can share back to the community of like saying, here's how HP tests their hardware, their products. Here's how HP does certain things. I think that that's all the better. And that nets better for everyone in the industry and users also. So, you know, that it's always trying to give back, right? But also find the, the boundaries of working in a company because there are things that are secret. There are things that need to be guarded close. Um, but when it comes to accessibility, I think there's a lot more that can kind of be shared out. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the fact that there are uh, best practices for uh, organizations to uh, let others know if their how their products are accessible or not, I think is is fabulous. I, but I, I think for a lot of people in organizations that do procurement, um, they may not necessarily be you know aware that those types of things exist. Uh, like obviously, university procurement has a long history of of knowing what to look for. And of course the federal government, uh, you know, with the regulations requiring that. With a lot of organizations, if they wanna know uh, if a certain tool is accessible, um, I don't think it's really widely known that there are best practices uh, for doing that. I know I, I vet products that our organization uses and, uh, I know where to look for that kind of information. And if I contact an organization, when I get the reply back, I know right away you know, what level of accessibility is there by the response. Uh, and, and so I think that's one of the areas that, uh, you know, hopefully we get more exposure so that people can start uh, prioritizing products and services that are accessible. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, there are those accessible conformance reports also, you know, used to be known as VPATs, you know, but, um, you know, there, there's more work to be done, right? With that, there's definitely, in addition with new standards and, and regulatory um, work, right, it's to not only just meet these standards, but, you know, one of the kind of trends is to have documentation, provide information about you know, what accessibility is available in, in your, your um, training manuals or your documentation and then how to use them. And I think that's also very critical. Um, so that's something that HP that we're working on doing more of exposing those things. So there is something there, uh, you know, in the manuals, in the things that people get, you know, in the tutorials that also expose that there's accessibility options. Uh, you know, when you, I think that, um, Microsoft and Apple have done an excellent job, right? That it speaks to you the moment that you've initiated your computer. So you can make the decision if you need that assistive technology or not. Um, and then for people who don't, it's like a just a two second thing and they, they've moved forward, right? And for people who do, it's critical, right? Because that gives the autonomy um, and access for them to go through the completion process of setting up their new computer. Um, so I, I think that that's, that's good to see these things, you know, like it's an evolution. Um, just like, uh, you know, when I did digital talk moves, it was cassette tapes and now it was CDs and now it's just kind of digital and download and you can just like put them on all devices. Um, and I'm proud to see the evolution um, and I'm happy, you know, excited to see what we can do better, right? So it's always something that, um, yes, right? Like 
I think everyone realizes we can do better in accessibility. Um, it's just like, uh, how, how, can, how can we do better in, with the constraints that we have, right? Because I think it's, it's your, your organization, my organization, there's always constraints. There's always things that are competing um, and it's, it's trying to follow the best, best path, ooh, best pass forward in doing it. Well, I, I, I do want to uh, ask you uh, uh, a little bit more about your uh, HP work, but I don't want to skip over anything. Are, were there any uh, things bridging your work with the California state system before HP that you think you'd like to share? Oh, no, no. So, I mean, the other thing is, is I like, uh, since working for um, kind of more purchaser, higher education side where, you know, one of my last jobs in higher ed was was sitting on some of the procurement, you know, evaluations and doing things and then moving over to industry. That's, that was incredibly informative to me. You know, this was like over 10 years ago now, which <laughs> um, I know a lot of things have changed, but you know, it, I, I still channel, right? I still channel my experience working with procurement officers, working with people who have incredibly, you know, tons of requirements, small business, better, you know, they're trying to do all sorts of things to make the best decision for that, their organization and accessibility is just one in there. So now on the other side, when we're working on products, making those decisions, I try to channel back to say, hey, can we make our conformance reports more, more, uh, more clear? How can we be more descriptive? What can we do to understand that? Because on the other side of that, I definitely had you know, areas of, of uh, opportunity that I saw. I was like, oh, this, is, this could be better or this is a little ambiguous. So trying to channel that, I think that that was good to have both sides of it. And I definitely go back to those days. I also talk to people that I've worked with in those fields again to hear, I think that's also important to hear their voice, hear what they're having trouble with. So definitely individual customers, but also procurement people and others to make sure that they understand or have people there to help them understand what, what is the accessibility You know, when they're comparing things. I, th I think it's very easy to say, yes, we're accessible, right? Everyone can say this or fill out a report, but it's the contents of the report. It's the it's what's in there that's that's so important when you're making that decision. Well, uh, you're working uh, at HP is obviously a large organization, and accessibility probably has a lot of uh, different elements to it. But one of the things uh, I, I'm interested in is kind of how it, accessibility is built into an organization like that. It's, is there a uh, overriding uh, department or division that uh, helps lead accessibility across the enterprise? Are there uh, evangelists within individual divisions and, and you know, training of a vertical nature within different parts of HP? Maybe tell me a little bit about uh, how things are set up there. Sure. So um, there is a centralized office, right? So I, that's what I, I'm part of that team, I'm part of the central team. So I work across both our, our, you know, organization, you know, big, you know, it's like HP is a, a big company with a lots of medium sized companies within it. So I work across that. So there's definitely that approach. And that's where um, a lot of my work in uh, understanding legislation, understanding new standards that comes in and um, and that gets pushed back down to the businesses. Um, and then I would say that there are individuals in different areas within those subdivisions. So kind of uh, just to break it down, there's like, you know, uh, personal systems, right? And then there's print and imaging. So there are people in those different organizations that also take care of accessibility. And those are my colleagues. So 
um, they don't need to become Section 508 experts or they don't need to become WCAG experts, but they need to know, hey, these are the things that need to apply to you. These are some things that you need to consider um, when creating your, your types of products. So um, it's, it's a mix of both, right? And, and it is that kind of approach of, um, you know, centralized things. We work in the central office and then individual products. Now, sometimes we get pulled in, right? When there are new products or areas where there needs to be better discovery or things that are unknown, because I think in accessibility, um, there are things, right? There's still questions to be asked. There might not be a best practice or that best practice might've changed. So I will work with the business teams, um, helping them discover that. And again, that's another area where if we can share some of that information back, right? Especially the things not to do, right? That's, I think that's all the better, right? Maybe we found a good way to do certain things or, or something, but um, we've also found that they're probably through user testing uh, and, and you know, standards or analysis review. These are not great ways to do things. And if I can share that out and, and get um, you know, the okays from the business and legal, right? I, that's another thing that um, I've tried to do in my career is say, you know, here's some things to avoid because we tried this. You can try, you know, so here's a better direction to go in, right? And, and again, I think that that's, that's a way to find that balance of, um, of making accessibility inclusive and a, and a team sport, right, across the industry, and then also still respecting the privacy and hard work that the organization has done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I know in, in a lot of uh, larger organizations, if a, uh, say a researcher, a designer, a product manager, a developer gets really activated and interested in accessibility, that often they're able to carve out a larger role where they, you know, they can help uh, bring that to other teams. Uh, is there anything like that at, at HP where people can kind of uh, make accessibility important part of the activities that they're uh, professionally involved with? Y yes, yeah. So I think that, yes, so that there's definitely part of that. Um, there are people who are, um, you know, there are people who it's, it's just part of their role. And then there's people who have found a very much a passion in it. And there is a way to kind of cut out more space to that of what you want to do and make it part of your professional development or growth um, in the organization. So yeah, it, it's uh, both ways, right? And that's definitely uh, good because uh, as a large organization at a centralized office, you can't know everything that's happening, right? You're not in every meeting. Um, you don't know what's, so it, it's good to have those people. And that's the other thing that that I've tried to do in my career is, is set up a good cadence of meeting with individuals. And sometimes they come to me and sometimes they prepare, but just, you know, what's going on? What's, what are the new things? What are some things that you're thinking about or your group is thinking about with these products? Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's important because I'm sure you've heard it from other experts, but you need to be, accessibility needs to be interwoven in all the steps in the business process. And that's even at the level of, you know, just discovery, right? Oh, we're going to, we're experimenting with a new interface or we're experimenting with using, uh, I don't know, push buttons or whatever. So I, I think that that's really important to have those types of, of considerations of accessibility in there. Um, of course, at the end and, you know, through the development and, and, and all those other parts, of, but even at that early, early stage uh, of accessibility in, in products. Well, uh, you know, as, as I, yeah, I look back on my time in accessibility, I think uh, it started around 1998 for me, so about 22 years. Yeah, I look back and there's 
things where uh, I, I'm really impressed with where we've come in that time with accessibility. And then there's other things I kind of look back and I'm like, I really thought we would have been farther along than we are now in certain areas. Are there, you know, anything, uh, any areas where you're particularly excited about the, the new developments or the other side of that, maybe some areas um, where you would hope there would be uh, you know, more work or more improvement going on? Um, I guess an, an area that I'm, I, I, um, I'm just impressed with is kind of the maturity level of digital talking books and just that, that is, that is awesome. Um, and, and just when you talk to users, right there, it's just like a, an expectation, you know, they're like, what you use cassettes and you had to listen to you you hit the fast forward button, listen to these low tone beeps to count the pages. And that, that's crazy, right? Like it's just assumed now go to a certain page, go to a certain chapter in an, in an accessible. So, and that's just commonplace now. And you can download books on your phone, right? It's like a snap now. And that, 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 that evolution it's, it's happened a long time ago, but I'm, I'm very happy that now it's just like, it's just an expectation. It's the way it should be. It's, it's the things that are there. Um, I would say that also with you know web accessibility and software, that's really um, done a lot better, right? Of course, there are areas right that that need more work in those, but I think the maturity, the work with WCAG, um, it's just gotten so much better and it's improved. Um, so th those are the areas I'm I'm definitely impressed with, right? Uh, I think that there's some more attention, right? Areas that I wish or feel like there needs to be uh, that that are sometimes considered is as we're focusing on the the digital, the kind of software, the web. It's the physical that also still needs to be important, and um, I think that that area still, you know, can still have more improvements, still have an evolution there. Because if you can't get to the device, if you can't access the device, if you can't if the user can't put their intentions or interpret what's on that physical piece of hardware, the keyboard, the touchscreen, the whatever, it doesn't matter how accessible that web page is or that piece of software or the operating system, because you know that physical to digital, there's a problem there, and that kind of stops everything else in the flow, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that there's 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 work to be done. I'm not saying that there's frustration, but I think that's exciting too, right? There's there's work to be done there, um, and that's 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 fun, right? There's a fun way to do things, and um, I think that it's uh, with with the VR and XR and the the organization um, that Larry Goldberg kind of set up with the XR Access uh, Group, right? Of looking at virtual reality and um, all you know augmented reality and saying, hey, let's consider accessibility at more of the infancy of this, this type of technology. You know, those are great signs, right? There's this being done where unfortunately a lot of things in accessibility, especially for users, is the kind of, you adopt a bunch of technology like, oh, we're gonna put tablets, we're gonna give every student tablets. And then it's the consideration of what about users with disabilities? And it, you know, it shouldn't be that way. And that's frustrating. That causes a lot of worry and headaches for users that, you know, if the consideration was done before. So seeing that things are considered more earlier on with adoption and doing things, I think that that's also very, very good and very exciting and, and makes me happy um, to see. Well, I, I know you've 
been involved in a lot of volunteerism and in, in sharing knowledge. We uh, talked about that briefly before. Are there any um, organizations or resources that you're involved with that you'd particularly like to call out that you think might be interesting for, for others to explore? Any uh, webinars or any of that type of thing? Um, I mean, I, I think the the meetups, the local meetups, you know, there's like a accessibility Bay Area meetup. Those those are great places to go. And I've seen people who have um, had some, you know, passing interest or they said, you know, this has been part of my job or I'm interested in this. And now they're, you know, full time accessibility experts. I think that that's a real great way. Um, and it's just it's such a welcoming community. Right. I, I think that. Uh, you know, ego or like, you know, um, elitism might be there, but I've never experienced it. People just are willing to share, right? Um, and I would recommend those. There's a great one in the Bay Area. And now, currently with COVID, all of them are remote. So if you want to, if you're in the East Coast and want to, you know, there's a New York one and, and you want to stay up till later and go to the Bay Area one, you know, West Coast one, you can do that. So the, the meetups with accessibility are a really great way to kind of start. There's, um, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, a lot of people start where they're an expert in a certain technology and then they kind of bring in accessibility. And I would say, reach out to people. I definitely have reached out to people um, who I've been, you know, very impressed with or, you know, like, oh, you know, these, these people are doing such great things. Should I even bother them with my time? And I would say like, yes, right? And some people are going to be too busy and some, but most people are going to be willing to kind of talk to you, share with you, um, at the technical or even career path level, right, of, of what they should do or how they get started. And you don't have to mold your career to that, but that gives you, uh, you know, ideas, advice, an opportunity. Um, you know, internships are great too. We, we had interns, uh, I try to do intern with accessibility. It's not necessarily always a technical person, right? Someone in marketing or someone to show um, how accessibility works in industry, how this is a, a great career to be in, right? And, and you know, we've had, uh, you know, business majors come in and work in accessibility and great things. So um, if you have the opportunity to do those types of programs and are also in the field, I would say that, you know, take some time to help give back, give people opportunities, um, do some recruiting if you can, right? Even people who might not necessarily be interested in accessibility, but are are really good at something, you know, this is, that's your opportunity. Um, if, if you're privileged enough to be hiring or setting up intern program to, to get people in there and say, hey, this is a great field. This is a rewarding field to be in. We, we need good people, smart people to work in it. Well, uh, yeah, was, you had so many great uh, ideas uh, in this last segment. I really appreciate that. And, and uh, um, we'll uh, probably include some links to those, uh, some of those items in the show notes. But uh, Sam, thanks so much for taking the time to share your journey through accessibility and uh, is a really enjoyable chatting with you. Oh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, they, they, I really appreciate it. It's, it's fun talking, thinking about some of the past things <laughs> that I've done. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye, Sam. Thank you. Hi, I'm Joe Walensky, and as host of the Digital Accessibility Program, I like to keep the focus on our amazing guests. But I'm always excited about my role as Accessibility Director at Blink, the producer of this program, and I'd like to share that with you. 
Blink is the world's leader in evidence-driven design, and we work with a wide variety of clients. Founded in Seattle, we also have offices in Boston, New York, Austin, San Diego, and San Francisco. Our stated mission is to make technology human. Embracing inclusive design and accessibility brings all of us closer to that mission. We bring accessibility in every one of our projects. Our philosophy is that each of our practitioners should understand how accessibility applies to their own work. Accessibility is not a separate department or activity for us. Our researchers, designers, and developers all employ accessibility principles at every stage. If you have a need for research and design services, Blink is a partner with a full-time commitment to making your product or service accessible and a great experience for all of your customers. Some of the specific areas where we can help, using research to better understand the needs of your customers with disabilities, innovating to make sure your accessibility is the best in class design. We can move existing designs to development in a sprint, and maybe most importantly, we provide a turnkey transformation to an accessible site or app. Of course, compliance status is something that we always include as part of the service. If any of this is of interest, please get in touch with me directly at joe at blinkux.com. That's J-O-E at B-L-I-N-K-U-X.com. Thank you. And please take a moment to rate our program in whatever app you use.